Father, my prayer this morning is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. So I've got some Latin words for you today if you're taking notes. Uh, The first one is caveat emptor. Anybody know that Latin phrase? It's fairly common. Well, I figured Danny would. Danny? It's almost like a buyer beware. It's exactly what it means. Buyer beware. Right? If somebody is selling you something, they might not tell you the whole truth about what it is you're buying. Every used car, it runs like a top. The tires are good for another 20,000. We've all heard these stories, right? And the other Latin, or that's not Latin, is this. Uh, After you buy something, you get what's called buyer's remorse. I can't believe I paid that much for it, especially if somebody else buys, say, a car or an item on sale for Christmas, and they go, oh, wow, what did you pay for it? And you tell them, and then they tell you what they paid, and it just takes all the wind out of your sails. I paid too much. Or the coolness of the item wears off. Now, I don't know if you know this, but that great new car feeling you get, which Pastor Wiki is experiencing right now, that guess how long it lasts, Pastor Wiki? They've done research on this. Three weeks. Three weeks. You get that new car, you got the new car smell, the new car feel, you learn where all the buttons are, and that new car feeling lasts Three weeks. And if you've paid too much for that car, week number four, you're having buyer's remorse. Now, why do I start my sermon off with this? Because we live in a world of broken promises. I want you to hear that. We live in a world of broken promises. Probably the promise that is broken most often, and I have to say I have broken this one myself, is to have and to hold from this day forward until we are parted by death. Divorce is rampant. We, are, we live in a world of broken promises. Here's a promise to make you chuckle a little bit. <laughs> Beware if the package says one size fits all. It doesn't. Especially if you happen to be shaped like an operatic tenor, if you happen to know any of those. Uh, Here we go. Delicious and nutritious. Horse hockey, I say. We were watching Shark Tank. Every now and then, Vicky and I on a Friday night like to watch Shark Tank. And this very pretty girl came out and she was selling Bohana popped lotus seeds. And they had bags of them for all the sharks. You've seen this. And they opened it up. And it's supposed to be a delicious and nutritious replacement for popcorn. And it's got protein, and it's got all these good vitamins, and it's got half the calories, and it comes in four delicious flavors. So, I, you know me, I went right to Amazon, and I looked up, popped lotus seeds. Sure enough, there they were, as on Shark Tank. It was already in the ad. So I ordered the combination box of all four flavors. It tasted like styrofoam. (laughs) And now I had four delicious flavors of styrofoam. We actually gave them away to somebody else who said, oh, I love those. Like, here, take them. Delicious and nutritious rarely go together. Broccoli is broccoli and cream donuts are cream donuts. And the doctor would approve of one and not the other. 
Now, here's one I want you to think about. I, I, I'm in my car a lot, and when I'm not listening to a book on tape, I, I check in with the news, and they have those advertisements for investments. You know, uh, uh, enter into this investment, and in the past we've made 10%, and you get a bonus, and then at the end, the announcer whispers, past performance does not guarantee future results. You've heard that, right? Why? Because we live in a land of broken promises. Have you ever watched a movie trailer and said, I really want to see that movie? Then you go to see the movie and you realize all the good parts were in the trailer? Book covers. My mom always said, don't read a book by a cover, but we all do. That's why they put the pictures on there. And you go, ooh, that looks really good. And then you're like, no, it wasn't. TV products, they always work so well on TV. I, I don't know about you, but I bought OxyClean when it first came out, and I sprayed it on the, the stains on my rug, and I still have stains on my rug, and now I have OxyClean. <sighs> I don't know what to do. I live in a land of broken promises. Even Amazon has learned that people will go on and give reviews for their own product. So, you know how I know that? Because now when you read the reviews, it'll either just have their name in the review or it will say verified purchaser. People were lying on Amazon reviews. How can I buy a quality item if they're going to lie on the reviews? Every day... Every day, expectations meet disappointment, causing disparagement and distrust. We forget that God, who caused the sun to rise and set every day, seasons to come and go in order, and stars in the heavens to move, sent his son to earth. Advent, by definition, it's the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And this is a little scary, but in Webster it says, i.e., the advent of television. As if television was one of those big events. And truly it was. But I think the birth of Jesus is a little bit bigger. But advent is the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. So today, as we light the first Advent calendar and begin a, a new church year, we celebrate the Advent, the arrival of the baby Jesus, and yet Jesus calls us today to look forward to the triumphant return of the risen and resurrected Messiah. Then we as Christians need to ask this question. Are we preparing more for the promise already fulfilled than the one yet to come. Now, let's be honest. Nobody likes to wait. Nobody likes to wait. If you go to the DMV now, they give you a time to come back and wait. Now you have an official waiting time because you know they're not going to get you in when you're supposed to. A deli counter at the grocery store, what do you do? You go up and you get your little tab and what do you have to do? You have to wait. And I always wind up behind the lady that goes, well, what do you have on sale? I want to say, lady, there's a sign right there. It says what's on sale. And then she'll ask the guy, do you like the deli ham? Do you like that? No, just get your ham and get out of my way. I don't like to wait. 
Now, hopefully children today will never experience that which we had with Windows 3.1 waiting for programs to load. Those of a certain age, just go like this. You'd watch that little circle go around and around and around. We don't like to wait. Have you ever made a phone call like I did yesterday and listened to the entire menu just to wait to talk to a real person? Press two for English, beep, and then they go through seven different options, none of which will get you to a real person. And then they say, if you want to talk to a representative, please stay on the line. Then they play the awful music. And let's all agree, it's awful music. And then what do they do? They, come, they break in. You're like, oh, this is my moment. All of our representatives are currently busy. <laughs> Please stay on the line and we'll get to you as quickly as we can. Back to the awful music. This can go on forever. Jesus asks us to wait. But not just to wait with an attitude or a, what's the word, frustration, but to wait expectantly. Now, you might remember this from past sermons, but in Hebrew, and if you're going to go to seminary, I recommend taking Hebrew before you take Greek, because Greek has seven verb tenses and Hebrew has two. I loved Hebrew. In Hebrew, a verb is either happened or it's going to happen. That's it, completed or incompleted action, which brings us right back to the Advent wreath. Completed action, the baby Jesus has arrived. Incompleted action, he's coming back. That's what it says in the parable. Watch and wait. The master of the house is coming back, and you want to be caught expecting him to come back. So are you going to worry, or are you going to watch? Are you going to be anxious? Or expected? Are you going to be fearful or hopeful? Are you going to be unprepared or caught doing the right thing? Now, you might remember when Honda, which was one of the first Japanese automakers, came to this country, we laughed at the quality of their cars. The cars were terrible. Now, they were fun because the original Honda Civic, four guys could pick up and move. You ever move a Honda Civic like that? We had a guy that we didn't like in college. He got on everybody's nerves. Four of us would pick up his car and we would hide it from him. <laughs> Once we actually got it up on the stage, I went to a music college and pulled the curtain. He called the police. I can't find my car. Sure enough, next time they opened the curtain, there it was. So the, the Japanese automakers had to get together and say, what is, what is wrong with our process, with our manufacturing? And they found out this very interesting fact that they, like we in America, believe that management was, management was to catch somebody making a mistake. You made a mistake, please fix it. They found out that when they went out of their way to catch somebody doing something right, that person was more invested in doing a good job. And they changed their entire manufacturing philosophy. Why? Because they found out that the positive far outweighed the negative. That's what Jesus says in his parable. 
when I come back, I want to catch you doing the right thing. So if this sermon had a subtitle, it would be this. With God, past performance does guarantee future results. There are four lessons that I want you to take home from this passage. And the first one is this. Watch with confident expectation. Uh, when the, my children were little, we had a car stolen. Long time ago, I'm almost over the trauma. <laughs> We were having family pictures taken at the mall and uh, their mother left the keys in the brand new car. Remember, I was the chaplain at the mall. I met them at the, remember that family photo place right on the second floor next to Boscov's? We had lovely family photos taken. I went out one door to get in my car and went home. They went out to find that the car was gone. Next thing I know, a policeman is knocking at my door says, you need to come back, Doc. Uh, your car's been stolen. And we went back and it was gone. So we decided for a little bit to try and get back on our feet, we would work with one car. That's where the story is headed. And uh, the boy's mother at that time worked at Temple Hospital and took the high-speed line. And we would drive over and we would get in the line of cars at the high-speed line and wait. Now, did the boys wait like this? looking into the air, or were their noses pressed to the window? And if you wait at rush hour, because Danny takes the train, if you wait at rush hour, those trains are coming by every five to seven minutes. They're coming in. And you hear the ring, ring, ring of the bell, and you know that, that they're going to come down. And every time that happened, the boys would look and scan the crowd. And we're all creatures of habit. She would always come out the same door. And as soon as they saw their mother, the car would erupt. And I'm like, boys, this happens every day. Your mom comes home from work every, but it was a cell. There she is, there she is. They were trying to be the first one to see her come home. Jesus says, scan the crowd expectantly. Excitedly look for me. Why? Because I'm coming back. The second thing I want you to learn from this is watch and pray. I have a, a cute story here. Uh, the one I really wanted to tell my wife um, took away from me. She said, you may not have that story. So this is my second choice. One morning in the early 1890s, four workers were busy in a cornfield. One man with a scythe was cutting the corn and leaving it in long swatches on the ground. He was followed by a boy who was making bands of twisted, twisted corn stalks and laying them on the ground at intervals side by side. The third worker had a small wooden rake and three six-inch teeth on it, and he was gathering the bundles of cut corn and placing each bundle on one of the bands left by the second boy. The fourth worker followed the others and was making each bundle into a sheaf by tying the band tightly around it and tucking in the end. They stopped for lunch. And they sat down and opened their lunch packets, which contained sandwiches. And uh, the boy looked at his food as it lay open on the cloth. And he had made a decision for Christ the night before. And he felt that it was necessary to say grace. So he bowed his head and he closed his eyes. And when he opened them, the sandwich was gone. <laughs> 
the dog had run up and eaten his... And you've seen dogs do that, yes? And the old farmer looked at him and he said, it's a good thing to pray, but you must watch. You don't want to get caught looking for Jesus with your eyes closed. You want... uh, My dad used to say this. You don't want to be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. The second thing Jesus wants us to learn from this passage is watch and pray. The third thing is this. Watch knowing that a loving God can afford us a little more time. Uh, Prudence Philipson, an English author, tells this story. Her children had a playroom at the top of the stairs of the second floor. And at night, she would come in and say, children, you have 10 minutes to put the room in order, and then it's time for bed. Then she would go away for 10 minutes and come back. She would creep up the stairs. And she would peek into the room to see if the children were following the directions. Anybody who's been a parent or a grandparent or even a babysitter knows this experience. And if the children were diligently working at the task, But they weren't going to be done in time. She would creep back down the stairs to give them a little bit more time. Prudence writes this. Each Advent, I recall the experience with my children and wonder how many times the Lord was close at hand. But seeing the chaos of our world and longing to come, but waiting, sparing us judgment a little bit longer because a loving God affords us a little more time. And the last thing is this. We need to watch knowing that he will see us win the race. Charlton Heston, probably one of his most famous roles, was Ben-Hur. We've all seen Ben-Hur and that wonderful chariot race, yes? Did you know that there was not a stuntman involved? Charlton Heston actually drove the chariot. He had never driven a chariot, let alone one of four horses. And he had a meeting with Cecil B. DeMille. And Cecil B. DeMille said, I want you to learn to drive the chariot. And sure enough, after lessons and practice, Charlton Heston said, well, (laughs) right now he said, I can drive the chariot, but I don't know that I'll win. And hear what Cecil B. DeMille said. Heston, you stay in the race, and I'll make sure you win. Watch, knowing that he will see us win the race. God says that we are to run, that we are to watch, that we are to pray. But he guarantees that he's coming back. In your busy busy Christmas preparations... Whether you're working on cards or cookies or candy canes and Christmas trees. Whether you're shopping or watching special movies, wrapping presents, or fulfilling holiday traditions. Remember that the story is not over. The Messiah will return. And only the watchfully prepared will be ready to receive him. Past performance does guarantee future results. Amen.